Hi, this is Darren Freeman and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, well it's four draws in a row for the Whites after a disappointing one-all draw at Kenilworth Road on Saturday. Alexander Mitrovic gave us a first-half lead, but Elijah Adebayo headed home a second-half equaliser to earn the Hatters a share of the points. You can't help feeling it was a missed opportunity, what with Bournemouth losing at home to Blackburn too. Baldo and J-Mac are here with me to go back over the game. Adebayo, for fuck's sake. My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. All right, lads. Well, as always, let's get your reaction to the result. It definitely feels like two points lost, doesn't it? Particularly given the fact that Bournemouth lost at home to Blackburn. Yeah, it does feel like, um, as you say, um, two points lost in in the grand scheme of things. I think I think most people would have been confident going into a game against um, against Luton that we get uh, that we should get three points off it, even though we've not been in the best of forms and Mitrovic hasn't been on the best. But he obviously saw that out, which we'll talk about later. But I'm not all that fussed about uh, the Bournemouth result. I I know it would be great to go up as champions, but I don't want this to be a thing of. You know, it's us against Bournemouth to be, you know, for the rest. I think it should be really be us versus whoever is in third place at the moment. Because no, you know, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. We, we want to win the league. We're the best team in the league and we are fallying about at the moment. Recently, we made we made excuses for the fact that we were, we were sick and we had players out because of illness for the Derby game and for the Preston game. And then we had the Bournemouth game. A point against Bournemouth is a fair enough result. But now a point against Luton, that's a that's a poor result given the fact that we're top of the league. Since we've been top of the league, we haven't won a game. This is this has been poor recently. It's a it's a poor run of form. And okay, we haven't lost, but we need to start winning again because we are the best team in the league. We we should be winning this league with this team that we've got. And okay, going up is the be all be all and end all, I suppose. Or is it? I don't really give a shit about the Premier League anyway. I want to win the league. Okay, that, yeah, that, that's that's fine. Like, again, everyone has that. I just want to go up regardless. If it has to be second, it has to be second. I'm so I'm not. Again, it would be great to win the league. I'm not saying, and you know, we are the best team in the league. I'm just not going to. I'm just going to say that the winning the league is the be all and end all for me. Promotion is the be all and end all. That's all my view. If you if you or any other fan has a different view, that's if you want to win the league by all by all costs, then by all means. But for me, I'm not focusing just on Bournemouth. I'm focusing on whoever's in third. Basically, that's me. But I'm well, not. But I'm not still... disagreeing with you. It was a bad result. I'm not trying to defend it. Well, there is. Yeah, I get that. There is still good distance between us and third still, so I'm not too worried. I think it, it is a huge missed opportunity, as you say, Frenchie. Um, I just don't know at what point we can actually, as a fan base, allowed to get a bit critical about the team because because we're still unbeaten in you know so many games. A lot of people are saying, "Well, shut up. We're still top. We should be happy that we're here." But I'm a bit concerned because I think if we if we lose against Sheffield in the next game, everyone will say, well, that was coming. Or if we win, people will say, well, there was nothing to worry about to begin with. This sort of game today was exactly how Peterborough should have gone, but instead it went the way of Derby. As you say, we have got the best goal. We should be winning this league and we should certainly be at least be fucking Luton at home, uh, away from home. That being said, all credit to Luton. I thought they played very well, funnily enough, once we scored. But just, you know, there are... A- few passengers in this team in this game I thought but we'll come on to that but yeah I, I think Hughes missed opportunity and I don't think we should 
feel frightened to actually be critical of the team despite not losing. My main concern is the fact that we're just not creating enough opportunities at the moment. Against Bournemouth, we did. Against Derby, we didn't. Against Preston, we didn't. And uh, and against Luton, we didn't either. Uh, it was it was a scrappy goal that was poorly defended that that gave us the, the the early goal of the game. But other than that, our chances were really limited. I, I wasn't concerned about the way that we defended. I, th- I thought we did we helped them off quite well. But it's just the fact that we've only scored three goals in four games, two of which have come from centre halves. From um, well, I mean the the Tim Ream one was from a set piece. The Alexander Mitrovic one yesterday was from a set piece. All right, the um, toasting one was from from open play, but I, I'm just I'm just a little bit concerned at the moment for for that reason. I, I fully expect us to turn it round, but it, it's it's just it's yeah. a frustration, frustration more than a concern, I'd say. Like you're saying, and what a few people are saying, if this is our falling apart moment of the season, then I'll take it. If this is as low or as scary as it gets, and that's fucking brilliant, but we do need to start really pulling our pants up now. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's come on to the team. There were a few surprises. Harrison Reed was absent from the squad altogether, so Tom Kearney and John Michel Seri started in midfield. Thus, Bobby Reed was preferred over Fabio Carvalho. Meanwhile, Kelly Tete came in for Dennis Adoy at right back, and Joe Bryan continued at left back with Anthony Robinson on the bench. Baldo, thoughts? Um, I was pretty. I was pretty happy with the lineup. Um, again, I know that some people have been concerned with um, Seri and Kearney as a midfield partnership, as it were, as you know, as the two in a four-two-three-one. But you know, the last Fulham game that I went to was when we played was when we played uh, Nottingham Forest, and that was Seri and Kearney in a midfield two there. So it's been okay in the past. So when I look at it, I'm not thinking. I was obviously it would be great to have Harrison Reed in midfield because he does offer that little bit of bite and defensive. Um, solidity that you know, Kearney and Seri, you know, whilst they're not exact, whilst they're not exactly terrible, they they just don't have that bite that Harrison Reed does. So it would be nice, but again, when you first look at it before you know the result, I wasn't all that concerned. The rest of the squad probably makes sense. You know, it, it's still a pretty strong squad. You know, you can you can debate whether or not Robinson or Brian is you know the one that you want, but Brian is a decent left back in the championship, so no concerns. You know, when I looked at the squad, I was I was quite happy with it. I was, I was a bit surprised Carvalho was left out. We had this conversation on the pod the other night uh, in the, as part of the preview. We were talking about certain players and who would we play. And for me, it was always going to be Carvalho should should be in the squad if he's fit uh, and available. I thought Bobby Reid did nothing during the game, to be honest. It makes me think that at the moment, he's a, he's a better off, uh, option off the bench to try and change a game. And I think Carvalho... Just he has a a more penetrative approach. I think he can just go past players and uh, and assist better than than most other players in in not only in our squad but probably in the division. Yeah, I, I thought Carvalho. To be honest, I wasn't too I wasn't too fussed about Carvalho not starting just because I think he's just been gone off the boil slightly in previous games. And I thought because of how well Bobby performed coming off the bench in the last game, it was actually maybe a good chance for Bobby. But as you say, maybe Bobby's role is actually an impact sub. I don't know. But yeah, Carvalho, that was a you know, slight surprise, but I wasn't disappointed. I think Joe Bryan now, I mean, Joe Bryan played a lot better in this game for me. But I think recently with the stats that have come out the other day of how important Robinson is to our side and what he's been doing for the team, 
I, I think that that came at a very significant time to actually show us in this game actually how much we rely on Robinson to do well in games. Um, and I think that was a huge reason. And obviously the absence of Harrison Reed was a definite reason. But the lineup, I can't complain about too much. It was good to see Kenny Tete back. And um, but just yeah, it, it, it's weird when Kenny when when Kenny Tete is out. Obviously, Adoy comes in, but then you've got Anthony Robertson on the left side. And then when you've got Joe Bryan in, you haven't got Kenny Tate. It's, it keeps yin and yanging for the wrong reasons. But yeah, I was fine with it. It wasn't too bad to see. But I did think Tom Kearney and Sari together, I did make that joke before Forrest saying that that wasn't going to work. It's too much silk. And uh, we won 4-0. But with this game, you could actually see it wasn't a Tom Carey with Sari sort of game that we needed to win this, potentially. Needed more steel, perhaps. You know, we were all at that Forest game, and all right, we did win four nil, but we we probably didn't deserve to win four nil, as Steve Cooper said after that game. It wasn't really a four nil game, and and he was probably right. Um, and the result probably papered over the the frailties in in that midfield because Forest did have did have some some opportunities in that game. But that being said, Luton didn't really have that many chances. And Baldo, you said yesterday, didn't you? Um, that all that was coming when Luton scored, and I, I genuinely didn't think it was because although they they were pushing forward against us, they were creating absolutely nothing. So yeah, that's the thing. They were getting close to the they were getting close to the box. That was sort of my argument. It was always it was a case of, and I made the note about it. They were it was their decision making in the final third that sort of cost them. It was always the wrong pass, or they just lose the ball, or there were a couple of. Um, Chances they got through, but they were just marginally offside. Uh, Rodak made a good save, obviously. But the warning signs were there. I, I just say it, you don't necessarily have to be peppering the goal with shots. I think if they were there on the on the edge of the box and all they needed was just the one opportunity, that was that was my argument. Like I can certainly wait, see where you were coming from with you know it was you know their goal, which we'll get on to later, was their first shot on target. But I think the amount of times they got to the edge of the area, that that's what sort of worried me is that if we don't step up our game then they might be able to get something out of it. Well, as we suspected when we were recording the match preview last week, it was end-to-end stuff. Not many chances, as as we've just said, but Joe Bryan came closest inside seven minutes when he fired wide across the goal. But neither side created many clear chances all game, really. And then 19 minutes in, Mitro ended his two-game goal drought when he got on the end of a header back into the danger zone after a great ball in from Wilson. Jay Mack, he's still well on target to smash the record, isn't he? Well, hopefully, yeah, if he, if he's still... I mean, it was just good that he scored again. I think um, someone in the group said that Jeff Stelling made a comment saying Alexander Mitrovic has uh, broken his drought now. And it was only been three goals of a drought. You know, that just shows the kind of form that he's in. No, he's definitely on course to still break the record. Of, I Absolutely, I have no doubt about that. Because he's scoring when we're not playing very well. So that goes to say everything like we did in this game. But yeah, I, I, it's good to see him on a score sheet again. It gives him me more confidence that we'll see him score, hopefully, against Sheffield for sure. Do you think he looked frustrated at times during this game? I, I think the Luton crowd were getting on his back, picked up on on his complaining. He made a couple of silly fouls. He, he, to me, for some reason, he, he just looked a little bit out of sorts. Yeah, I think I think the word I would probably best uh, use is frustrated, I think, was the best thing because Luton were pretty, you know, did, did an okay job defensively. And again, there were a couple of, you know, um, a couple of instances where decisions weren't exactly going our way, and Mitrovic is someone he can be. He can throw a bit of a strop, as as it were, and he can be petulant. Might not be the best word, but he, on that sort of 
on that sort of vein. So yeah, if things aren't going totally his right way, then you can certainly see it with with his emotions and his um, uh, characteristics and his body language. So yeah, and I think you know, given the target that is on his back, when you consider you know just the team and the player as a whole, then if the opposition fans can pick up on it and you know use it to get under his skin, they will use that opportunity. So yeah, it's just a com- a combination of things really. And there was a moment in the second half, wasn't there, where he he put a header wide and it and it came off uh, it came off a Luton player and he was adamant that it came off the Luton player's arm and he was right mm. in the referee's face. Um, I don't know. For me, it would have been a harsh one to to give, but he, he you know it must have hit the player's arm for Mitrovic to be complaining that that much. But I, I, I can't I can't see that it was a deliberate handball. What do you guys think? Um, apparently, I mean, I I didn't really see it. Well enough, but I've I've done. I think it's given in a sort of in a sort of VAR world, Premier League world now for sure. I think it would be given, but I, I, like you said, I don't think there's intent there. But I mean, it does. Does it? I mean, it hits the arm potentially. I think it also might hit his hand a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I need to watch it again properly. But I would say that it would be quite harsh, and I'd be quite annoyed if we <laughs> can see the penalty from that. If you know, Remotosa did a handball like that. Yeah. Well, in the second half, chances for both sides were once again at a premium. Tom Kearney sent a first-time shot over the crossbar, almost cleared the stadium with it after a layoff by Niskan Cabano. And we just couldn't turn the screw and find a second goal at 1-0 up. And, and it was the home side who levelled, of course, through our ex-man, Elijah Adebayo. He headed home a free kick after 62 minutes. As you said, it was literally Luton's first shot and only shot on target. The frustrating thing about this goal was that it was completely preventable, given that it was just a standard set-piece after a foul by Mitro. Well, that comes straight into what Bodo was saying about the petulance of Mitrovic times. If decisions aren't going his way, he can sometimes just act quite juvenile. And I feel like he was just up for a bit of a tussle with the centre-halves at that point. And I just don't really think... It, yeah, it was completely avoidable, as you say. And I... Look, he scored our goal, so I can't you know, be too annoyed with him in this game. But yeah, that, that was just a really annoying set-piece to concede, unfortunately. Question marks over the defending there, perhaps, Bodo? From the from the crossing, yeah, I, th- I think there is. I think you know when we have the, uh, is it? Do we have the best defensive record in the championship? I know we got the most goals. Have we got the best yeah, defensive? I think so. uh, if not, we're probably up there. So you would think that we should be able to deal with, because it wasn't as if it was like some you know magical trick play or something like that, or you know an, a brilliant cross that was inch perfect. It was just standard, just lob it in there. There wasn't anything special to it. So with our defense, you know the experience of Team Ream and uh, the. Uh, physical, physical, you know, attributes of uh, Tosin and you know other players back there. We should have been able to deal with that a lot better than we did. I love the guy, but did Tin Ream have a good game? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a divide between fans at the moment, whether d- debating whether or not he actually was good this game or not, and if he's starting to maybe crumble a bit under pressure against better sort of. I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys think. Is that it? Was he all right this game? Do you think? I, th- I think he or, was okay. I, I, th- I thought generally we defended quite well throughout the game. We gave the ball away a few times in stupid places, but won the ball back. I, I put a question mark maybe over Tim Ream's head for the goal. Um, maybe he could have, you know, positioned himself a bit better and flicked it on and headed it away. But I guess it was, it, maybe we just have to hold our hands up for, for a goal like that and say it was a really good ball in, in a really good area. Yeah. And um, and a, a decent striker at this level got on the end of it and buried it. What do you think, Baldo? 
No, I don't think I don't think you can really blame Tim Ream on that. I think it's it sounds like we are last year. I think there's probably multiple facets you can put the blame. I don't think Tim Ream again. It wasn't his best game, um, and I'm not and I'm not trying to say that you know his age is getting is catching up to him or anything. But yeah, certainly one you know one bad performance. But hopefully, you know, he's sort of he's earned the credit this season, as it were. You know, I don't think any many of us really expect him to be performing as well as he has done. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I think he gets a bit of a pass. Obviously, not ideal because he let because uh, we uh, drew the game. But I'm not I'm not concerned about Tim Ream as yet. If it, if it carries on being a thing, then I will. But I'm not judging after one game. What I've, what I also really like about Tim Ream actually is that whenever he has a bad game or the team don't play well or the team don't win, he always faces it up on social media and said, "Yeah, wasn't my best game today," or "Yeah, we should have won that. We should have done better. We go again next mm-hmm. week." And I like the fact that he's he's no shrinking violet, is he? Yeah, and that's been one of the one of the great things about him this season, just taking on that captain's armband when he's been playing and also just acting like it on Twitter. He's been a complete renaissance when it comes to social media. I'm loving it. But yeah, I, I, I'm not when I was questioning Reem, I wasn't by any means saying that I think he's finished or anything like that, like when, you know, he received a red card against Man City in the cup. But I just I'm just saying that uh-huh. I'm I'm wondering wondering if there are some sort of Slight frailty is starting to kick in with the long season that we have and his age and his, you know. But anyway, long may he reign, that's all I can say. Well, after the goal, we turned the pressure up and had a couple of chances. Then with 15 minutes left, Marco Silva rung the changes and brought on Josh Onoma and Fabio Carvalho and replaced uh, replaced Tom Kearney and Iskins Cabano. I've been impressed with Silva's substitutions at times this season, but I don't think this one did anything to change the game in our favour, did it? Onoma was poor when he came on, particularly. maybe because he's not played that much football recently. But I thought he gave the ball away quite a bit and did nothing to turn the game around. What do you guys think? I just thought the substitutions were a bit too late. And I I generally thought that because we didn't... I mean, a huge reason why we didn't win this game or do enough in this game is because there just wasn't enough functional cogs moving in the midfield. And the absence of Harrison Reid was a huge, huge deal for us. Um, And because we didn't have that presser, we didn't have that sort of bit of electricity in the midfield to sort of push things forward and grab the ball back and do his sort of, you know, canty-ish sort of things that we like to say, we we just weren't creating or being fluid enough. And with the options that we had at the bench, yeah, Onoma just wasn't, for me, very good at all. Like, I think a lot of people agree with us. And also, just, I, I, I mean, I know he's come back from injury, but Onoma, I mean, he had he started off the season quite well. Maybe he just needs to be in the team a bit more. Uh, to build his confidence. Maybe he needs to be a starter more to be a better player. I don't know. But I'm really hoping that Shalabar is coming back soon because he's exactly the sort of player fit that I would have brought on to change this game. Or maybe have started with, to be honest. I don't know what Baldo thinks. Yeah, personally, I I didn't have much of an issue with the you know, the decisions of the of substitutes. I think when you're looking at it, yeah, it's whilst they were pretty much like for like in terms of, but I think they were exactly what we needed. Just a little bit more pace, a little bit more energy in midfield and with the attacking prowess of Fabio Carvalho, I, I do agree. I think it probably could have been brought on um, a little bit earlier. Same with um, same with Muniz as well. I think he probably could have been brought on a little bit earlier. But in terms of the general substitution, I don't have an issue. But I do, I do agree with you in terms of Onomar. I think he is someone that you know we saw the the, the renaissance of him uh, in the in the last championship season. Once he gets a run of games, I think there is there is certainly there is certainly someone in there. Um, but it is just a case of who do you take out uh, if you want to put him in. You're going to have to either change formation to go to a four-three-three, or you're going to have to drop one of, you know, Harrison Reed or John McElserry. And I don't see that. I don't see that happening anytime soon. 
So it's a bit it's a bit of an odd situation um, for Onoma and um, for Silver as he tries to find a space for him. Mm. Did Nunes have a really good moment at the end of the game? Towards the end, he almost like he just yeah just missed well, a sort I, of tap in. Yeah, I, I was just going to come on to that. He came on with four minutes left, and it was a weird one because he came on for Harry Wilson. Um, so we kind of changed formation a bit, I guess. Maybe even went four four two. Well, we certainly had two strikers up top anyway, with Mitrovic and Nunes on the pitch, and he almost won it, as you said. He turned his man, created some space around him, and his shot was just lame. It was a back pass at best, wasn't it? And I even think the the better option was probably for him to square it and play Carvalho in. And I know you kind of have to you you can't take an instinct, the instinctive nature out of a out of a centre forward, but at that point in the game, you know right at the end uh, of injury time to to have a shot like that and, and not spot that there was a player in space is is a real shame. What do you guys think? I'm sort of it I'm sort of in two minds about it. Like there is to some extent uh, I I applaud him for at least for at least trying. Um you know at least at least he had the confidence to try and take on a shot but maybe it was the conditions because you know from what I saw from um the rather dodgy um I follow hatters streams I had to go via Luton to uh, to watch the game, um, it seemed like the conditions weren't exactly the the best, so maybe just got caught up under his feet and that's all. But I at least applaud him because he is still getting used to this division. I mean, he scored I think four or five goals at this point. Um, but he's still getting used to it, but to have the confidence in that moment to say, "Right, I'm going to take on. I'm going to. I'm going to." I at least applaud. I at least applaud him for that. It shows that there is something in there, you know. And maybe if he'd have been on a little bit earlier and he'd been a little bit more, you know, used to everything. Then he might have been able to make a better decision, but yeah, I. So I'm not certainly holding it against him if he, you know, it's just one of those unfortunate things. If he balls up a chance like that within the first five minutes of a game, fine. Not in the last five minutes. <laughs> I can't forgive him for that. That was another frustrating moment, but it just about summed up Fulham's afternoon, I suppose, didn't it? Um, so who are you boys giving your man of the match to for this one? Slim pickings, really, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is slim pickings because I, I thought everyone was quite. I said the word at the beginning, but just a bit in in the passenger seat for this game. I, I thought that I thought Seri had a really sorry. You've asked for the man of the match, and I'm giving you. I think the stinkers were, but I feel like Seri <laughs> was a bit a bit. I thought Seri had actually a really lackluster game. Uh, uh, I say today, sorry, you know, yesterday, and you know, some of his passing was just you know a, just a bit amiss. And there was one moment where their centre forward, their number four, just came out and just basically just. Passed the like just dribbled the ball around him at quite a good speed, but I just uh, everyone just looked very sort of. I don't know if there's this constant excuse still going that they're still damaged by the bug, the, the you know the norovirus, or, or maybe who knows, maybe Corona's starting to go around again. I don't know, but I mean there is that sort of excuse going around that we've got this you know illness and we still haven't recovered from it, and I don't know how long we can keep saying that until actually enough is enough. But yeah, everyone just I thought Wilson, Cabano, Seri. Everyone like Joe Bryan actually was a lot better. I mean, even Tete to some extent. I just thought everyone just had a really sort of shoddy game. So maybe I think I just had to give it to Mitra for the fact he scored. But then again, he the reason we conceded a goal. So I'll give it to Tosin because Tosin's header is the reason that set up Mitrovic's goal. And yeah, why not? I'll give it to Tosin. <laughs> Interesting logic, mate. Okay, uh, Balde. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm going to be a bit. I'm going to be a bit cynical there. I'm going to give it to none of them. I don't think there was anyone that sort of stood out. You know, it was a bad performance um, all round. So, and I don't think there was that bright spark that you know 
sort of shone above above anyone else. You know, I've said in the past, I, I think it may have been the Blackburn game or the Forest game where I said, man of the match, who are you giving it to? I said all of them. I think in the similar sort of vein, but on the opposite end of the scale, I'm going to give it to none of them. I don't think anyone really stood out. Are we being a little bit harsh here? I mean, it's it's a we're, it's eleven games undefeated. All right, we've won, we've won seven in a row. We've drawn the last four, but a draw in the grand scheme of things, especially when we're we're top of the league, is probably. I mean, it's probably not as bad as as it feels at the moment. You know, another couple of couple of wins time. If we're if we're clear at the top, then then no one will remember this. Um, yeah. it's, it, it just feels like a little bit of a lull where we're not creating much at the moment. That that that's all I think, and I don't I don't want people listening to this to think, oh my god, these these guys they're just being you know throwing their toys out there, Pram, and having this massive knee jerk reaction because we drew at Luton. Because it, it's <laughs> not that at all. It's just that we know we can do better than this. Yeah, and as you say, we know we are better than this. I know. I mean, I, I know a team on paper is always different to a team out on the pitch. But I mean, we, we should be absolutely bossing it on paper and on pitch with the squad we have. We should be beating Luton away from home. Um, and I just think, you know, th- there is absolutely by no means any uh, disgrace from getting a point away at Luton. There is, there is none. But it's just because of the draws that we've had already leading up to this point and how we've had to fight back to get a result from Bournemouth, how Preston was really dodgy as well. And just We just need, and Derby too, it's just we need to start feeling a bit like champions again. And as you said, since we've been top, it's just been draws. And I feel like we're riding our luck a bit and it would just be really nice just to get a win at Sheffield, just to, you know, just to make ourselves feel a lot more relaxed. And from my point of view, the reason I'm, you know, worried is because I'm just always worried. You know, it's just being a Fulham fan. So I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not that I'm actually cussing on the team. I think I love this squad. I think, as you said in the group, this has potential to be the most exciting, most glorious and most, you know, memorable season since maybe Europa because of the football we play. But just, mm. and because of that, because of how good we know we could play, we're spoiled by the fact of how mediocre we were in this game so anyway I, I don't want yeah. anyone to think that we're being miserable but yeah you know we can and should do better for sure bunch of scrooges well we're, we're still top of the championship <laughs> we're two points clear of Bournemouth we're five clear of West Brom in third but four draws on the bounce have really tightened things up again this week West Brom play away at Barnsley on Friday night so they could move up onto level points with Bournemouth with a win there perhaps temporarily as Bournemouth play away at Middlesbrough Saturday lunchtime so by the time we play Sheffield United on Monday, potentially the pressure could really be on us if both West Brom and Bournemouth have won. Are you concerned about this at all, or is it just still one game at a time at the moment because there's so far to, of the season left to play? I'm not getting con- I'm not getting concerned yet. Um, I, I, so long as so long as they're behind us, I'm I'm confident. Because I think when you look at when you look at the Championship table, I think it still just demonstrates how dominant we are when you look at the goal differences. Uh, which I think has always been sort of a key um, factor on this. Like, our goal difference at the moment is 33. Bournemouth is 18. West Bromwich is 13. That just shows you how far and above we are, you know, in terms of attacking prowess and defensive stability. So I'm not concerned yet. Once those start to close overall, then I think, then I might start to go away, but I'm not now. Mike, you know, you say West Brom play on Friday night. Given what's going on through their squad, because they nearly had their game against Reading called off because COVID's going through their squad. So we so we may have a chance to, you know, you know, improve the improve the uh, points, um, depending on if their game even even goes ahead. So I think that's probably going to be an interesting one 
to keep to keep an eye on whether or not they even play. And then, of course, with the championship and the congested fixtures, if it gets put on till later in the season, they get fixture piled up. So I, I think that's an I think that's a generally one that we should uh, be taking interest in to see if the game even goes ahead. I think I think you're right, and I also think Bournemouth actually, even though we're two points ahead of them, I think Bournemouth should be more worried than us. I mean, you mentioned the goal difference, Paul. Though I mean, you know, we're light years ahead, of course, and we have a team to thank for that. It was Blackburn Rovers, but since we decimated them seven nil, Blackburn Rovers, some I've just been absolutely brilliant. Um, I think actually Bournemouth should be worried. A lot of people are now suggesting perhaps that Blackburn might come up automatically with us rather than Bournemouth. Bournemouth look like they could be in. A bit of a shake now. I mean, like they, they're not a good result for them against a very good side, obviously in Blackburn. But now they've got to go to Borough, which isn't going to be easy at all. So I'll be, I'll be very interested. We'll see what happens to Bournemouth, but I'm still very confident that we'll be all right automatically. You know the the thing with Blackburn. I believe that Ben Breros and Diaz is out of contract at the end of the season. So Blackburn have got a decision to make uh, in January as to whether or not they they cash in on his good form. Um, and sell him, or whether they they tie him down to a new deal and and hope for the best that he fires them into to, to promotion this season. So I don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, just before we go, I just wanted to to talk about Tom Kearney really briefly. And we've talked a lot about Tom Kearney since he's been back. Ever since I uh, I said he'll be good for carrying the water bottles across the pitch before he smashed in that that goal against Cardiff. Um, but but Tom Tom Kearney. He is a man for the big moment, isn't he? But aside from creating big moments, does he do an awful lot else? Because he started against against Luton uh, yesterday and in a game where not much happened, I thought he went missing a bit. He didn't really do much. He didn't. There were no big moments. So Tom Kearney just kind of disintegrated into, into the team and was almost anonymous. Um, so I just want to know what you think about that. What, what does Tom Kearney bring to the team when he's not creating big moments? I think he'd probably bring a bit more if he had a Harrison Reed next to him or maybe a Shalabar. I think him and Seri are just too similar. I think they're, they, they, they like to sort of, uh, you know, deep-lying playmakers in a way. Um, as well, the way Kearney's been playing recently with Cavalli in front of him. I just think we have now know, I think, what Kearney's best role is. And I think it's coming off the bench when we're looking to control things a lot more, either securing a lead or hunting for some space for a, uh, for an equaliser. You know, I just feel like that is what he is for us now. And it's still a wonderful role and he's still brilliant what he does. But yeah, for me, I, I'm, I'm not too sure about him starting. And I'm sorry if I'm sounding like a Scrooge again. But yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you on that. I don't think, I think he's been a wonderful servant for the club and still is. But just, I think he now needs to be the sort of, the guy who comes on off the bench. That's just my yeah, opinion. I, yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you, Jay Mac. I think his days as a regular starter, like he was, you know, back in 2016, 17, 18, I think those are those are long gone. I think part of it may be because of his skill set, but I think also part of it is because of his age and, and the injury that he is you know, still coming back from, um, as it were. So I, I think his role as a result of that has changed, and I don't want to see it. I say don't want to see him. I don't think he, you know, merits or has the ability to be a 90 minutes every single week player. I mean, we will need him to play 90 minutes occasionally when it comes to rotating the squad and everything. But I think, as you said, the first choice, to, you know, midfield two should be Reed and Seri. And then whenever he wants to, um, whenever he wants to come along and can play a role off the bench or, you know, starter if Seri needs a rest, then he can come in then. But I don't think he's a regular, you know, an everyday starter, as it were. But you've, you've got the African Cup of Nations in January and the run of fixtures that we've got there, Bristol City at home, 
Stoke away, Blackpool at home, Middlesbrough away, Millwall at home, and probably Hull away as well, depending on how far, of course, Ivory Coast get. That's not an easy run of games. And that's a that's a crucial part of the season as well, isn't it, to have Seri missing? Well, I think with what's going on at the moment, with our bad form in inverted commas, because it's not bad form, it's fine. But like, it's not, you know, it's not what we're used to or what we expect. But if, say, we draw again against Sheffield or lose, or even if, we, you know what, even if we win, I still think that with the um, AFCON coming up in January, I don't want to sound like we're being greedy with the amount of billions and billions that Fulham have been spending this season. But I do think January, we will need to actually invest in another player. If Chalaber is still injured, if we are rumoured to be selling or giving uh, Keener back to Watford, I feel like we are going to actually need that sort of extra bite in midfield from the market because Harrison Reed is just Harrison nosebleed, really. I mean, he's just constantly <laughs> injured. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's just... I mean, we don't know what actually why he was missing. He might be sick. He might not actually have a physical injury in his legs, but I just feel like we might need to get some players in. And, um, you know, it's an interesting time. I feel like, you know, recently we found out Jay Stansfield is being eyed up by Leicester and Crystal Palace because his contract ends at the end of the season. And I just feel like we actually might need... I don't think we need a striker, but sometimes I do think if, if Moon is, I just don't know if we actually, we might need something a bit extra. But that's just me. I love the market and I'm just getting a bit excited about it. January is going to be a busy time, that's for sure, isn't it, in the, uh, in the transfer market? All right, that's your lot for this time then. Baldo, J-Mac, thanks as always. And thanks to you for listening at home. We'll be back on Thursday to look ahead to next Monday night's match with Sheffield United. So until then, stay safe and have a great week. Cheers. Fulham.